Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Hello, everyone. Stakui here. And I'm Gabby. And as you can probably hear, uh, we sound sick, or at least Gabby still does. Uh, yeah, we're recording this the day after we recorded the other episode of the podcast from Dumb Ways to Die, uh, which, <laughs> again, you can probably see the reason we didn't film it on that exact same day or record it is because uh, we're not exactly doing so hot. But, hey, content must be made. Am I right, Gabby? Always. You were literally, you literally have some tears streaming <laughs> down your face. I haven't even any told you stories of people I, dying yet. My nose is stuffed up and I can't actually breathe in because it will be mic feedback. I know. <laughs> if there are any weird sounds or anything like that, I do apologize. But please note, uh, we will do whatever we can to keep producing things that make you happy. Which, I mean, the stories that we're about to cover here today are definitely ones that did not make the people that went through them happy, but I hope that their suffering does bring you some measure of enjoyment or at least humor. Uh, I know that sounds really messed yeah, up to say, doesn't really it? Yeah, it sounds really bad. Maybe we should cancel the podcast series. No, 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 no. We got to keep with it here. Anyway, on to today's topic, or rather a continuation of last week's topic for it here, for those of you who are watching it on or listening to it on Spotify or Apple. Dumb Ways to Die, part two. <laughs> I specifically said last time that we were going to focus on just how many people have died on the toilet because there have been so many people, like a stupid amount of people. We covered it before from like Elvis Presley, Judy Garland, like you remember from last time, like Dorothy, yeah. the Wizard of Oz, uh, Edmund Ironside. Like we covered a lot of these different stories. Okay, just to get this out of the way, because I know we're all thinking it and it must be said that is a very shitty way to die. Oh, man, you know, but we're all full of crap, right? Okay, now that's done. Let's go. <laughs> so, as I said, a lot of different people have died on the toilet. And there's a lot more people of just all kinds of varying groups. Like, there's more rulers, more leaders, more, like, great men of history that died in just a horrible, dumb way. Uh, so, so, toilet is toilet. But then, can we talk about people who've died in tubs? Well, yeah, so there's actually been quite a number the for there. Revolutionary, I remember that. Yeah, no, there's there there's um, there is a guy in the French Revolution who died literally just because um, he had like a heart attack while he was being given oral sex. Okay, let's go. No, that actually happened. Oh, that was a thing. No. Okay, we're gonna cover that story another time for it here. Okay, so another guy that I wanted to talk about was Sir Godfrey the Hunchback, which this is going to require a little bit of a tangent to really explain his story, so I'm going to go ahead and apologize right now. Godfrey was born around 1040, and he was the eldest son of Duke Godfrey the Bearded and Duchess Dota. In 1069, the German king Henry the uh, IV had appointed him the Duke of Lower Lorraine and was the fifth member of the House of Verdun to hold this position. Godfrey Jr. was 
like he was a pretty small guy like he was not some big crazy figure but more importantly than anything else the dude was a literal hunchback which if you know anything about what people would have thought of I've physical i the hunchback of Notre Dame I'm I'm away well yes but back then like this is even before renaissance times the imagery that people had of hunchbacks and those who suffered from deformities not pleasant like they weren't treated right but in spite of this physical handicap he became a phenomenally respected leader like he achieved vast success as a duke at least as a ruler his personal life as one might sometimes imagine the life of a hunchback in medieval times normally it it was definitely not a good one like, he lost his mother at a very early age, and in the year 1054, his father remarried to Beatrix, who was the widow of the Marquis of Tuscany. And at the time, his father arranged a marriage between his son and Matilda of Canossa, who was the Countess of Tuscany and the daughter of the very same Beatrix. Basically, he got proposed—or not proposed. He got—I um, guess that would be the term. He was arranged marriage to his stepsister. What are you doing, hunchback, bro? Stop. <laughs> so the wedding they had was in December of 1069, and it was shortly before the death of Godfrey Sr. So his father arranged him to marry his stepsister, and then very shortly after just died. So a daughter, also named Beatrix, because that's how a lot of names work. Yeah, I'm going to get off on this in the first place for a tangent, but you have no <laughs> idea uh, how how many people have been named Louis. Do you have any idea how many King Henrys, King Georges, King Louis there are, like between England and France? There are nine Stevens at our place of work. You are not one to talk. I know, but we're different people. And we're not descended of a family just going down a straight line of just George II, George III, Louis, 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 okay, Louis, Louis. We need more kids. They will all be named Joya. Even the boys? Joya. Okay, all right. You know what? Fine. Okay, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> you did not expect it to turn in that direction. No, I did not. <laughs> So they had this daughter, also named Beatrix, after the mother-in-law, but she died only a few months after she was born. So after around two years of married life, his wife Matilda returned to her homeland, and the next year, Godfrey followed her, but it never actually did anything to really help their relationship. Matilda avoided Godfrey and refused to give him uh, matrimonial favors, which in Latin for here would be High the... Fives. Yeah, you know, the very vigorous high fives between husband and wife that make very good noises. This is a professional podcast. I know this is a professional podcast, and I am describing all the varying things. Listen, we did an entire podcast on the horrors that were experienced by, like, Vitor Politsky. Like, I'm pretty sure that we can get into some of the raunchy stuff. No, we cannot. At least not explicitly, but we can at least, you know, explain it a little bit. But see, the really the really sucky part of this is that not only did his wife not give him the matrimonial favors, but she paid far more attention to the new pope, Gregory VII, who had been elected in 1073, than to her own husband. <laughs> You're pitching over right now. 
So you yeah, know, she wanted nothing to do with the hope with the hunchback, but man, the holy daddy, she was like, yeah. The Pope urged her to not have any more contact with her husband, claiming that it would be a sin due to the consanguinity. Well, what that basically means is because they were related, like they weren't related by blood, at least as far as I'm aware. We didn't necessarily trace back their lineage further, but because they were step siblings, that was supposed to be a blood relation that would make it a sin. But on the other hand for political reasons because he didn't actually want to help the guy he did not allow them to get a divorce so they weren't allowed to sleep together because it would be a sin but simultaneously they were not allowed to get a divorce Uh, so within a year, Godfrey was back in Lower Lorraine while Matilda kept on nagging him from Tuscany. When the abbot of St. Hubert had claimed some of Godfrey's properties, Matilda actually wrote a letter to the Pope recommending him to support the abbot and not her own husband. So she's like, yes, yeah, screw this guy. I'm going to give away all of his land because I don't give a shit. So... Matilda and the Pope were so often seen in each other's company that there were rumors about them having an affair literally everywhere. Like, there was nothing that definitively proved that they were having an affair, but it was basically common knowledge that they were... Here's a question for you. Back then, were Popes allowed to have... No! They never were. Ever? No! Literally, at no point was the Pope allowed to be in carnal relationships. Ever? No. Okay, that's one of the differences, and we can cover that at a different point between uh, so what happened with the Western Church and the Eastern Church. So under Eastern Orthodox Christianity, the the arguable original Christianity for it there from some of the uh, the early days, priests are allowed to marry. Like priests have children and families, and like that's that's a thing. That's still a thing to this day, and that's a, one of the key fundamental differences between the Eastern and the Western Church. So, yeah, that, as I said, that that's a thing. So, not only was their marriage not harmonious, but to make things worse, they were also political antagonists in the investiture controversy, which I've actually done a few TikToks on this. In fact, I even did one literally today and posted that. But for those of you who don't know what the investiture controversy was, this was a conflict between the Holy Roman Emperor and the Pope, basically over who was actually in charge of the Catholic Church, like who had the ability to appoint who, etc. Because the German king believed that he was the one as the Holy Roman Emperor that had the ability to appoint people to positions of being like a bishop and that kind of thing. The Pope being the Pope and the head of the Catholic Church was like, no, 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 you don't get to do that. I get to do that. Not only do I get to do that, but because you are the Holy Roman Emperor, the Holy Roman Emperor is only a position that I, as the Pope, can appoint because the holy title. Okay, so I went to Bible school, and we actually had to take classes on this, and so the Bible actually says that God appoints rulers, so technically if the Pope is connected to God, like an extension... Um, that means that he technically wins. But then by that logic... In the Bible. No, by that exact same logic, the Holy Roman Emperor is has the divine right. No, he's just appointed 
by the Pope because the Pope is head of the church. So technically, this yes. This is a chicken before the no, egg scenario. Here's the thing. Here, yeah, it is. Because, but here's the thing. The God appoints all rulers and the Pope is there because of God and the Pope is there to appoint the rulers for God. But is the the ruler not there because God? And that's Yeah, okay. the ruler is there because of God, but they can only get there through the Pope. Well, that was the argument that they used. And all, honestly, in the end, and this is, I guess, a spoiler, we can literally cover the investor controversy as like a whole podcast. That would actually be a great that one to really be, go in. because I have a lot of There's a interest. lot. There's a lot that goes into that. But the gist of it, in the end, is that the Pope won, basically. Like, yeah. they, 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 they won. But it wasn't because of religion or belief or any of that. I mean, it was kind of part of that. But the really big reason why the Pope won in the end was because... All the German little princes that were trying to gain more autonomy and weaken the control of the emperor were like, yeah, we support the pope. And they rebelled and fought against the emperor. So the emperor was like trying to deal with the pope. But in dealing with the pope, he was creating all these rebellions back in the empire that he just couldn't manage. So he lost. It sounds like... Every time I play Crusader Kings. Oh, yeah, no, and the assassinations and everything that you do, and then you go way over your actual control limit, and then your whole country burns to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically that. Hey, everyone. It's you here, and before we get back to the show, I would just like to thank today's sponsor, eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. So... (laughs) Godfrey, as we're getting back into this, there's going to be so many tangents in this. We're not even talking about the literal poop yet. Or the death. Or the death. We're just talking about politics. So Godfrey actively supported the German king. Meanwhile, Matilda stood and allegedly was laying at the Pope's side. (laughs) Matilda was a very colorful and important person she owned many different possessions in italy and she played a huge role in the investiture controversy she supported supported the pope not only in bed but also on the battlefield against king henry the uh the fourth and for this she was regarded with admiration by some and in contempt by others like in the 17th century her body was moved to saint peter's church in rome and to this day her tomb is decorated by a bernini statue however bishop benzo of alba king henry's biographer described her as a <laughs> os volve now can you just hazard a guess what that possibly means? Nope. Volve. I don't want to. What that possibly... Just say it. It literally means cunt face in Latin. Hi. I love that and I'm going to use it at work tomorrow. I know. Like, this is the royal biographer describing her. So, despite his hunchback and his marriage, and a lot of other issues, Godfrey had gained many different military victories. So in 1070, 
Along with his ally, the Bishop of Utrecht, he drove the young Count Dirk V and his stepfather, Robert the Frisian, out of the Meuse estuary. And shortly thereafter, he conquered Frisia. And if you don't know where Frisia is, like where that region is, think of the region between Denmark and France, like around the Netherlands, like Holland, that area is Frisia, if you don't recognize it. Shortly thereafter, he conquered Frisia, and he founded the town of Delft. Now, thanks to Godfrey's support, King Henry could subdue the Saxons in 1075. And after he had grown a few years older, Dirk V, the guy that he drove out, he wanted his inheritance back. The first step to be taken was to take out Godfrey. Because Godfrey was a powerful man, but he couldn't really defeat him on the battlefield. So... They had to use more, um, dirty methods. This particular dirty job was performed by an assassin who surprised and wounded the Duke in the middle of the night. Godfrey did not die immediately, but was brought to Utrecht where he passed away a few days later. The attack on Godfrey's life has been described by actually quite a lot of different chroniclers and writers, but the story changes each time that it's told, at least slightly. There are, there are different variants for it here, but there are also a number of similarities, so we can kind of reconstruct a story. One of the earliest reports of this comes from Lambert of Hurstfield, who around 1078, he wrote a letter, uh, or not a letter, he wrote a rather extensive account of the assassination with several details. So first, the assault took place in the city of Antwerp. It was in the middle of the night, and it was when the Duke had retired because of a natural need. Like, it's a very roundabout way in the sense of saying, like, dude had to go to the bathroom. The culprit was a speculator, and this is a term that can mean, like, a guardsman, but it could also be a spy or a soldier or a thug. Like, there's a lot of different interpretations for exactly what this can mean. Who was posted near the house and acted on the orders of Count Robert the Frisian. The Duke died seven days later after the attack on 26th of February, 1076, and was then buried in Verdun next to his father. So, I want you to think. This guy was attacked while he was in the bathroom, and then it took him seven days to die. Like, he was stabbed in the ass while he was taking a shit. And then for seven days, just had to just be writhing in pain before he finally kicked the bucket. Like, that sounds like a horrible way to die. They couldn't just put him out of his misery? No. No, because they would have been trying to save him at first. Because, like, the dude was powerful. You didn't want to just kill him. Like, he was a very powerful, influential figure that was well-loved by many people. So they would want to save him. Now... None of this really sounds nice to me, but this method of death is not just unique to Europe. Like, the, off the top of my head here, there are two very famous cases that occurred in Asia. The first occurred in a very similar manner to what happened with Godfrey, and that is Uesugi Kenshin. Now, Uesugi, who lived from uh, 1530 all the way to 1578, was a warlord who ruled Echigo province during the Sengoku period of Japanese history. And for those of you who don't know, the Sengoku period, that means the Sengoku Jidai, the Age of War, when Japan was basically in a constant civil war between all these different powers for 150 years. Oda Nobunaga. Yes, like Oda Nobunaga. Exactly. In fact... Uesugi was one of the chief primary rivals 
of Oda Nobunaga. He was one of the big figures that was standing in Nobunaga's path to conquest. Like, the man was insane. He nearly brought down Oda multiple times, who was one of the three great unifiers of Japan. He was famous for his prowess on the battlefield. He had this immense military expertise, and he had this legendary rival with another very famous character, which you might not recognize off the top of your head, but it's Takeda Shingen, like the legendary horse lord. And this fame actually, I mean, it may have exceeded his actual accomplishments. But he was still a huge figure at the time. So as a boy, he devoted himself to study, and he was devoutly religious. He took on Buddhist vows and never married. So he never married, never had children, never did anything. He just literally dedicated himself to war. Because he believed in the war god, Bishamonten. And he was called Kenshin, the god of war. Now, this guy, as I said, he was insanely powerful, both as a leader and also as a fighter. But his death is a bit disputed because there, like, there's another reason that I've included him in the list. So at the Battle of uh, Teddy Oragawa in 1577, Kenshin routed Oda Nobunaga's forces. And despite Nobunaga's overwhelming numbers, Kenshin had managed to score a solid victory in the field. Nobunaga pulled all the way back to the Omi province, while Kenjin contented himself with building a few forts in the Kaga province before returning to, Ech to Echigo. Now, during the winter of 1577 to 1578, Kenjin ar arranged to send a great army to continue his assaults down into no Nobunaga's territory. But his health was declining at that point, and on April 9th, he suffered some kind of seizure while using the lavatory, possibly he suffered a stroke, and he died four days later. The cause of this particular death is disputed. Like I just said, oh, he went to the bathroom, he had a stroke, and he died on the shitter. And that, that's, that's that. But there's a number of other ways that people have said that he died. Like most Japanese scholars accept the theory that a lifetime of very heavy drinking combined with stomach cancer likely caused him to expire early while on the golden throne of shit. But other sources say that he was actually assassinated by a ninja who hid inside the lavatory and then stabbed him with a spear. So as he sat down on the toilet, this ninja hiding in the crapper just with a spear impaled him up through his butthole and killed him. If you keep telling these stories... <clears throat> I will never use the bathroom again. This is ter You know when you're like a kid and you're afraid of the toilet? This Do you think is a awful. poop ninja? Do you think a poop ninja is going to reach out with a knife and just like slit you okay. or something? Actually, not in the US, but where I'm from, we have latrines sometimes. And if you've ever had the to snakes. use one. The snakes. You would tell yeah, me about the snakes. Yeah, there's snakes and spiders and everything in there. And like, here's the thing. Someone could easily do that. Now I'm thinking back and I'm like, how was I not assassinated? I mean, you were almost kidnapped multiple times. So, I mean, there's that. New fair and law, though, about these toilet ninjas. Tell you what, we go back to Trinidad, and we will not go and see the toilets, because it, it may be possible that there will be a man hiding inside the toilet with a knife. Not in all toilets, it's just in very rural parts, okay. and I just let my family would venture off into the wilderness for no reason. Then a snake with a knife. <sighs> 
please tell me the next story is not poop stabbing related. Well, I mean, we got to continue a little bit with this here. So it's said that when Ken, like Oda actually heard of Kenshin dying, he remarked, ah, now the empire is mine. Just like this definitive statement. But this doesn't actually implicate him in the cause of the death because we don't really know. Either he died while having a stroke while taking a shit or he got stabbed. I mean, one of these is obviously worse. So even if you count the stroke of true, like the stroke as being the cause of the true death, there's another reason why he's included in this list. Because yeah, having a stroke while you're on the shitter sucks and it's a bad way to go, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's dumb. I mean, the heavy drinking that led to it is dumb in the first place, but it's not enough to really be considered in this list. The reason why I'm in including him, even if the stroke is the reason why he died, is because his death was an absolute disaster for the clan. So, as I said, he took Buddhist vows, he never married, he never had any sons of his own, but he adopted two sons. The first, Kagetora, who lived from 1552 to 1579 and was a son of Hojo Ujiasu. The second was Kagekatsu, who was the son of Nago Magasa uh, Magakage, and that was Kenshin's elder brother. So it was, it was his nephew. He adopted some guy's kid as his son, but he also adopted his nephew as his son, and he appointed them as his heirs. Why would you adopt two sons? In case one died. I, dude, it's it's the warring states, period. Well, then period. you need to make sure everyone knows which is the first pick. And that's precisely the problem. Because he never had a true designated heir. Like, this is the heir. It's like, these are my possible heirs. These are what I have. So upon the death of their adopted father, the two of these men immediately entered into a power struggle, which end with Kagekatsu becoming the new clan's leader and Kage, uh, Kagegora... He committed seppuku, so he had to kill himself. However, the internal struggle cost them so much time and energy that Oda Nobunaga easily took over the majority of their lands, like literally going right up to the border of Echigo. So all of that effort that their adopted father had put into consolidating and controlling and all these great victories literally went up in smoke because these two adoptive siblings decided to basically kill each other. And this is why you write a will, folks. Yep. So him not having children because of his vows and not naming a proper heir destroyed his clan way more than any battle he ever participated in did. And that, that is why I'm counting it among these deaths. Because even if you want to assume the stroke story, like this man had a stroke while taking a shit and then his whole land fell apart because he didn't designate an heir. And he adopted two sons, which yep. is like, why would you have... Why? If one died, if you're not going to have children... Like, I, I get this. I get this. If you're not going to have children anyway, why adopt two? Because if one dies, like, if, the, if, the, if you know, your heir dies, be like, oh, well, technically it wasn't my kid. I'll just adopt another one. <laughs> it's like, what does he have to lose? Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. It was just a bad, a poorly thought out plan. Okay, there's probably a lot more reasons, but I can't get over that. I'm going to need to do some more in-depth research on that because it just bothers me fundamentally. The next one that I did want to go into. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Is Duke Jing of Jin of China. Now, he was from 599 to 581 BC as the ruler of the state of Jin, which was a major power during the spring and autumn period of ancient China. Now, I'm going to go on a little tangent here, so I apologize, but that actually sounds really nice, doesn't it? It Spring and autumn period, right? It sounds really cool. The answer is no. No, it's it's not a cool thing at all. Despite its peaceful-sounding name, the spring and autumn period in China's early history was rife with conflict and bloodshed. So it took place during the Eastern Zhou, Di- uh, Zhou Dynasty, which was the period that marked by a decline in the Zhao court and a gradual increase in the power of individual states. So before the spring and autumn period, China had enjoyed several hundred years of relative peace. The regions around the Yellow River had been continuously governed by a central authority, whether that be after the Western Zhao capital of Zhongzhou was sacked by the Marques and non-Chinese barbarians, the Zhao moved to the capital to the east to be closer to its main supporters. But by that time that it happened, it was way too late for the Zhao. Four powerful states, that of Qin, Jin, Qi, and Chu, had already begun amassing and consolidating their power, primarily through low-level warfare. So it's like, at this time, it wasn't the precise centralized system that we would see under China later. What it was was more like a series of vassal states and vassal kings. So while they technically were loyal to the emperor of Zhao, They also were spending a lot of time fighting each other to consolidate their own territory and accrue more power. And this gradually escalated over the years into the Warring States period that would go until China was unified by the Qin Dynasty. Okay, anyway, again, that was another tangent. On back to the Duke of Jin. (laughs) So... In the summer of 581 BC, in the 19th year of his reign, Duke Jing fell very ill, and he abdicated in favor of his son, Duke Li of Jin, and died a month later. The events surrounding his death are detailed in the Chinese classic test, uh, text, Zuo Zhuan. Now, according to the Zuo Zhuan, the Duke first dreamt of a malevolent spirit that came to him in his sleep. After waking, he consulted a shaman who told him that he would not live to eat the new harvest wheat. The duke's illness worsened over the over the days and the weeks, and he had a new dream in which two urchins, apparently personifying the disease, taunted him, saying that medicine cannot reach him. And a physician from the state of Qin was consulted, and this guy told the duke that the disease had reached the Guohong, which is the fatty region between the heart and the diaphragm, and therefore was incurable. There was literally nothing that he could do. So the duke praised the physician for his skill, and he sent him away with lavish gifts. It's like, you know, that's a really nice, favorable way. Like, he's accepted his death that it's going to happen. So around August or September, the duke asked for and was presented with the new harvest wheat. Like, he made it. He lived. He was there. And now, believing the shaman must have made the wrong prediction, he summoned the shaman, showed him the new wheat, and then executed him. Because it's like, how dare you make me believe that I'm going to die? Like, screw you. And he just executed him. 
And just as he was about to eat, the Duke, suddenly feeling very bloated, went to the toilet, fell in... To the toilet? Into the toilet, and died. Because he fell in? Because he fell in. Now, I want you to imagine, like, toilets at this time, it's not like what we think of as our little porcelain thrones. Like, their toilets With were... giant holes in the ground. They yeah. could be literal giant holes Very in the deep. ground. Just, you fall in, you break something, I'm aware. Yeah, so he fell into a massive pile of shit and drowned, basically, in excrement. That is the worst one we've covered yet. Yeah. So now, at this point, we don't know if he was dead before or after he fell in, but again, it seems really likely that he drowned in literal shit. No one checked on him? Well, he did. In fact, there was a slave that went and found him and had to then go in and carry the Duke's body out. And that same slave was actually then killed because the slave had a dream that he was accompanying his master to heaven, so they killed the slave so that he could serve his master in heaven. Why did he tell anyone he had that dream? I don't know, but that's a thing. Was he just loyal? Yeah, that's a lot actually were. But then a lot were not and were just killed because they were servants and that they could do whatever they wanted with them. So that is a very common in a much more the more animist beliefs that some uh, uh, China really held. And this was very common, especially in the earlier dynasties, where you would have these royals that were buried with dozens of wives with servants like if your husband died you as a wife might just be executed so you could serve him in the afterlife no thank you yeah now you wouldn't even serve me now exactly (laughs) like if you die buddy that is on you they caught you slipping they did not catch me slipping and shit That would be a really bad way to go. That makes me so sad. I, I just really hope he like had a heart attack or something, and then he died, and then he fell in, which would be way more comforting somehow. I know. I hope that he died before he hit it, but imagine like you have you severely cramp up you're bloated your your stomach seizes and you kind of roll yourself into a ball trying and then in doing so that action causes you to shrink your body up and you slip right through the hole that's basically what i'm imagining happening or the seat just kind of like breaks under him as he does it because of rotten wood or something like that this whole thing is bad continue okay the last one that i'm going to cover Personally, I believe that this is the best one among all of these. Best as in least awful? No, it's I mean it's awful, but it's funny and it's very violent. So, it's, so nothing good. Not for this guy. And that is the death of Erizem Luger, the former Omer, owner of Prajama Castle in Slovenia. This is the one that I've kind of told you a bit about before. Like, you recognize what this is. Yes, this is the tower one. So, for those of you who do not know what I am talking about, the death of Luger, the former owner of Pajama Castle in Savinia, is famous. This castle was built directly into a rocky cliff face. And it was in Slovenia and considered to basically be completely impenetrable. It was constructed back in the 13th century, and there are very few people that would ever be able to do anything against this. Like, this is a castle literally built into a cliff. It's ridiculously hard to take. 
But a few centuries later, after its construction, its fortifications were going to be put to the test when a robber baron started a war with the Habsburgs. The Habsburgs being, you know, the Holy Roman Emperors, like, they, they became very famous over time as they controlled that, uh, like, Austria and the HRE for the longest time. And he was forced up to hole up in this castle for over a full year. And he would have succeeded as if he didn't pay his servants well enough, I guess. It seems so, but don't spoil it. So according to legend, Erizum Luger and his family had taken over the Gothic pajama castle in the late 15th century. Acquiring land and power, Erizum had become known as a robber baron of the region. So basically what a robber baron is in this case, there's two ways that you can really interpret it. It's almost like a Robin Hood figure of like, oh, he's like taking money from all these merchants and other nobles that are going through his territory and giving it to his people. Or the other way to interpret it is he's a prick that is laying taxes on anyone that wants to walk through his territory and he's enriching himself. Like either way, he's a robber baron because he's robbing the people that go through his barony through taxation that if they don't pay the tax, they'll likely get killed. But he quickly grew way too big for his britches when he murdered the kinsmen of Frederick III, the Holy Roman Emperor. So with the strength of all of his forces, Frederick came after Luger and forced him into hiding in his castle. But despite the Emperor's superior forces, the rebellious Luger had both the brains and the brawn. He lasted for a year fighting for any kind of siege, or for any kind of attempt to take the castle. And he had a secret tunnel that went between his castle and the nearby Postjana cave. And for an entire year and one day, Luger would sneak out of the castle and just replenish his food and drink through the tunnel from a nearby town. Finally, after... Finally, after surviving for so many days, one of his servants sold him out. Waiting for Luger to go to the outhouse, which was on a high floor of the outside face of the castle, like in one of the towers, the servant raised a flag and a single shot from a cannon blasted the Baron right off the toilet. Because I've actually covered this before, toilets on towers and walls were actually one of the most common things, and you would have this because A, you needed a place for guards to be able to take a shit, you didn't want them climbing all the way down the tower to take a shit and then going back up again. What if something happens and someone tries to take it? So you had these toilets that were on the outside of the walls, basically, like they jutted partially out, and this would allow the shit to drop outside of the castle so that you didn't have to deal with it. It would put it outside of the castle so it would be cleaner, and simultaneously, it would keep people from, you know, abandoning their shift. So while he was taking a shit, the Habsburg shot him right off the toilet with a cannonball. And that is a terrible but funny and great way to go. Now, last time one of the complaints that we had was like there was no more uh, fun facts or fun ones. So I thought that what I would go ahead and do was just get a whole fun little list of other ways people have died. Now, I've given really long... Fun list of how people... You need to stop. I don't need to stop. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I went ahead and put, built up this list because I've given a lot of background information pertaining to the context of, you know, what happened. 
So in this case, I'm just going to really list how people died. So first off, let's keep with another toilet one. And this one is also one of my favorites. King George II of Great Britain. He died from overexertions on the privy. What's that? He strained himself while trying to shit. Oh, no. So in 1760, while he was sitting on the crapper, George strained so hard to poo that a postmortem revealed that the king had died as a result of a thoracic aortic dissection. In other words, his heart literally exploded while he was trying to take a shit. That's not great. No, it is not. Sir Francis Bacon was a 16th century scientist, philosopher, and statesman who really popularized the ideas of things like common law, the scientific method, and he would be a really big figure during the Enlightened era, like that, right all the way going up to his death and after. But in 1626, Bacon was traveling through the snow to Highgate, where he was inspired to discover whether or not snow could preserve meat. Like he was basically looking at cold things and what they would do to preserve food. He was just interested in it, like as a scientific aspect. So he left his coach and went to the house of a local woman and purchased a chicken from her. He stuffed its carcass with snow, and then he spent all this time outside that night watching it to see what would happen. He died. And then this compromised his immune system, and he died of pneumonia three days later. That's really sad. Yep. All in the name of the scientific method. Michael Anderson Godwin. Now, this is a more recent one. I've covered a lot of, like, places in the past. In fact, the only recent one that we really covered, besides, you know, Elvis Presley and Dorothy, was that guy who in Trinidad jumped into an airplane, uh, or into the engine of one, which if you haven't listened to the last episode, do check that one out. Because <laughs> that one is wild, and that actually happened back in the 90s. So, South Carolina resident Godwin was originally convicted of robbery back in 1978, and while he was out on work release, he murdered someone, and was then sentenced to life in prison. One day, in 1989, he was sitting naked on a steel toilet in his cell. I don't really know why. I, I, I don't know why he was naked. There's really no reason to be... I, we just we don't know. But anyway, while he was naked... On the steel toilet, he bit into a live electrical wire while trying to fix a pair of headphones. In effect, he sentenced himself to death via the electric chair. He electrocuted himself on a steel toilet by biting into a wire. There's just so much wrong with that. Yes, there is. Franz Riekelt. Franz Riekelt was an Austrian-born French tailor and... Uh, okay. I say this a lot. This is one of my favorite ones because these, these are just dumb ways people have ended themselves. So he was a French tailor who was well known for making all different kinds of inventions. But this particular one was very famous. Having obtained permission from the Parisian police to test his new parachute suit from the landmark of the Eiffel Tower, Reichelt announced that the only dummy that could possibly repel from the building was himself. Upon jumping, the suit immediately failed, and he fell to his death in 1912. I remember this one because they genuinely thought he was going to throw something, not himself. Yep. So that is how that one. How and many people have died in the name of science? Oh my god. A lot. There's been a lot of different people. I mean, it's not a dumb death, but Mary Curie, 
like she was a phenomenally important and amazing person for the development of like our knowledge of radiation. Yeah. Her exposure to it over the years though killed her. Yeah. Like that's a huge thing in history. But another woman And you called her Mary? She did not die for this disrespect. Mary Curie. That Mary Curie? Maria Curie? Mar Mar I don't remember. What were you saying? Wait, wait, how can you criticize me for pronunciation? And you're like, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. I said, don't worry about it. I didn't say I don't remember. Okay. The last one is a woman. And I'm not going to give you the full details of this because if I actually give you the full details of it, it genuinely will make you really sad. And I don't want to do that. But one of the most hard to believe stories is that of Queen Consort of Siam, which is modern day Thailand, Sunada Kumaritana. Now, she was the first of three wives of the Siamese king, Chula Longhorn, who is known for introducing some of the progressive reforms within his kingdom, such as abolishing slavery, which, you know, they did in the 1880s. Now, the reason I'm making this a very quick fact and not a full story is that, again, I really don't want to end this episode with you crying. Like, your eyes are already watering from the severe sinuses and the pain that you're going through, so I don't want to make that worse. So, I will just tell you this. The short of it is that while she was on a boat trip, her vessel sank into the river. Her guards and attendants did literally nothing to save her. They just watched her as she drowned. The reason? Like, they were literally standing right there next to her, did not reach out a hand to help her at all. What was the reason? They didn't hate her. The gist of it was that there was an ancient law in Thailand that said that anyone that touched a royal, like of like if a commoner touched a royal, they would be put to death. It did not matter if you were trying to save their life. It did not matter at all. You would be put to death. You were not allowed to touch the royalty. Thus, the favorite of the Thai king lost her life. Because you couldn't touch royalty? Because you weren't allowed to touch royalty. It's like the equivalent of if you've seen that meme of like a cat trying to save my, my life and it's like you're, you're drowning, you reach up your hand and the cat just like high fives your hand. It's that, but without even the touch. There's just a lot there. Just so much. And with that, I think that we have covered enough dumb deaths for one day. There will be many more in the future because, I mean, we're humans. There are quite literally always dumb ways that we are dying. I could more than likely do an entire podcast on some of the most famous Florida man cases. That might be fun. But we will see that in the future for another time. Thank you, everyone, for watching. I will see you all next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.